Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So today starts the regular season. Uh, the Lakers are going to face the Clippers and the Brooklyn Nets are going to face the Golden State Warriors. Uh, but prior to today, we had some extensions to talk about. Uh, a couple of max extensions, uh, a couple of rookie designated player extensions, and I'm also going to talk some of my awards predictions going into the season as well. Uh, so let's start off with the major one, and this one didn't occur yesterday, but obviously is the bigger one, and it kind of creates dominoes throughout the league, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo signing the Supermax extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the five-year, $226 million contract with a player option on that final year for Giannis. And so this is this puts to bed all of the speculation, all of the where is Giannis going to sign, is Milwaukee going to trade him, um, I've documented many times uh, on Twitter and on the podcast about how I think uh, it took more than just the Supermax to re-sign Giannis. It, uh, we're going from now the Drew Holiday trade and mortgaging your future that way and trying to keep, keep the team competitive, which led to uh, mismanagement of the cap using the full mid-level when they didn't have to and hard capping themselves. And then it came out recently that they cost themselves a second round pick. Uh, in the Bogdanovich tampering. So all of this really adds up to keeping uh, Giannis. And, you know, while it is worth it, it just, again, it, obviously it's worth it to try and uh, lock up Giannis for as long as you can in a small market. But, again, it just speaks to how I think the uh, the Supermax contract by itself of that five years and 35% of the cap is not working and not doing its intended purpose. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, right now, Giannis... Uh, uh, has this season at $27.5 million. He's going to have the 21-22 season making 39.3, the 22-23 season making 42.5, the 23-24 season making 45.6, the 24-25 season making 48, and the 25-26 season a player option for $51.2 million. That is just a monstrous contract. Uh, the biggest contract uh, ever signed in uh, the National Basketball Association, to my knowledge. And uh, obviously, this is massive. You know, a lot of teams, uh, competitive teams at that, such as, you know, Toronto, the Dallas Mavericks, the Miami Heat, among others, were keeping their cap space open for one Giannis Antetokounmpo to potentially join their team. And now they're going to have to look at other free agents uh, to fill that space uh, should they want to keep that space open to continue. So Giannis signing the Supermax with Milwaukee obviously keeps them a contender. Obviously Giannis is going to be the one of the best players in the league for most likely the next decade as he's only 25 years old. Uh, and again, this doesn't preclude Giannis from asking for a trade mid-contract. We've seen this a number of times with Anthony Davis, with James Harden most recently, um, there will, there could, sorry, not there will, there could come a time where Giannis does not feel the team is competitive anymore, specifically with no draft assets, specifically with the ownership's unwillingness to pay the tax. Uh, just because they are going to be competitive this year uh, does not mean they're going to do that in the future. And obviously winning a championship in Milwaukee will change that quite a bit should they do that um, during the span of his deal. Uh, but otherwise, uh, there no, there's no guarantee just because he signs this contract, he will stay for the duration of the contract. Obviously, he can ask out after, uh, technically after about a year, but we assume that Giannis will most likely play out the duration of the deal, but it's not a guarantee is all I'm saying. So Giannis, 
Anacumpo, five years, $226 million with the Bucks with a player option on that final year. Okay, next we got Rudy Gobert with the Utah Jazz signing for the five years, $205 million uh, player, uh, or sorry, uh, extension. He also was eligible for the Supermax, but judging by this number uh, is not actually the Supermax. It looks like uh, given the cap uh, estimation of about uh, 112.5 or 0.4 million, whatever you want to use there, uh, Rudy Gobert gets about 31% of that cap. So that is, uh, so th that basically um, precludes him to just over the 30% max, but obviously just under the 35. So not quite the super max number for Rudy Gobert, but still a sizable extension. And obviously his defensive player uh, of the year trophies were uh, enough for him to be uh, to qualify for the super max. Uh, and uh, obviously he got over the 30% max, but under the 35. Uh, does get the five-year deal, gets the security for Rudy Gobert. Now, Rudy Gobert is not young like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Rudy Gobert, uh, I believe, is what is he, 29? Is he 30? Let me check just to be sure here. I want to be sure I'm right about this. Rudy Gobert is 28. Okay, so he is, is going to uh, play a few of those uh, years uh, uh, on the deal under 30, but most of this contract is going to be played into his 30s for a player that doesn't create his own shot, for is a, for a player that is a defensive uh, anchor, but an offensive, uh, what you call dependent offensive player, where you need somebody else to get him the ball in order to score. And so we've never seen a player uh, of his offensive ilk get this type of money. This is all based on Rudy Gobert's defensive ability, and we can talk about the screen assists, uh, the, the chemistry with Mitchell, all that sort of stuff. But what you're paying Rudy Gobert for is to be that anchor in the middle of that Utah Jazz defense for the foreseeable future to clean up the mess uh, on the guard line that any that anybody that comes through the paint is going to have to deal with Gobert. You're not paying him this money for his offense. So is this a good deal? Well, you know, there's a number of factors that go into that, right? It, like who is who is Utah getting that's better than Rudy Gobert for this kind of money? Can Utah even attract a major free agent, uh, the likes of Rudy Gobert, to come and play in Salt Lake City. Um, th these are these are valid questions. Is uh, is Donovan Mitchell enough to attract a second uh, superstar player, the level of Rudy Gobert, to come through? So yes, this might be a bit of an overpay, but this is this is kind of the tax on small market teams, right? Where you have to overpay to keep guys there because there are more desirable playing uh, places, you know, like. The big markets out there, I don't have to name them. You guys can, you know, kind of fill in the, the numbers as you see fit. And then for the some and, and for some of these markets, there's no state income tax, uh, specifically for the Texas team, such as, you know, Dallas, San Antonio, and Houston. So that's another uh, thing that would make uh, some of the, uh, some some players choose to go play elsewhere. So, you know, I, I think that this is an overpay for Rudy Gobert. Do I think the Utah Jazz have to do this? Yes, I think they have to do it because I don't see any other way uh, that they're actually going to use this money. So five years, two hundred and five million with Rudy Gobert. Now, did you need to give the player option on the final year? I think that one might have hurt the Jazz. I think that one might have hurt the Jazz. You know, obviously giving them the player option. Uh, the, basically, the idea of the player option is the player is always going to make the right decision with the player option. So if Rudy Gobert gets hurt in his fourth year. Uh, he's got that player option of uh, of security to to pick that up, or if he outplays that contract, 
um, in the fourth year. Unlikely that he'll outplay the fourth year of that deal. But let's say he does, then he has the ability to opt out and get more money instead of being locked into what would be a lower value number uh, in that fifth year. So it basically gives him the big time security that he needs with that with that player option. So. Uh, ideally, I don't think you had to give him that, but it's not too much of a deal breaker or uh, or too much of a deterrent, I should say, for the Utah Jazz. So Rudy Gobert, five years, $205 million, staying with the Utah Jazz for the foreseeable future. All right, moving on to some of the rookie extensions. OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors gets four years, $72 million with a player option. Uh, for a lot of Raptors fans listening to this podcast, you know OG Ananobi, one of the premier defensive players in the NBA, despite not having an all-defensive nod yet, uh, there should be one coming in his future. Uh, one of the best on-ball defensive players in the league, maybe the best uh, across at least four positions, I would say. Uh, and this is uh, an obviously a bet on his future. Obviously, the Raptors were looking to keep that space open for a max free agent. Now with Giannis signing, now with uh, LeBron signing his extension, now with Gobert signing his, with Paul George signing his extension as well. Now, you know, a lot of these big free agents are off the table for the Toronto Raptors. And now the opportunity cost of keeping that space open becomes smaller and smaller. So now with OG Ananobi getting this four-year $72 million deal, that means that, let me pull up the sheet here, that means OG is going to play play out this year uh, at a salary of uh, $3.8 million. And then he's going to start... At 16, point, 16 million basically next year is his starting salary and his cap hold, if you remember, uh, of the uh, of the starter criteria, average starter criteria was 11.6 million. So they really only sacrificed about four or five million dollars in 2021 cap space by securing Ananobi's deal, uh, like the like how they did. And again, that opportunity cost of that cap space becomes a lot less now that. There's not these free agents to go after. So uh, I thought a great deal here for the Toronto Raptors. Great deal for Ananobi getting $72 million is uh, undoubtedly life-changing money. He gets the player option in that fourth year, which means he can get back out of the market in his prime of 27 or 28 to get another big deal should he be worth uh, that uh, that money. And he gets, obviously, the security of the player option of about $20 million uh, out there in 24, 25, should he choose to take that. So good deal here for Ananobi. Good deal here for the Toronto Raptors. I thought this was a mutually beneficial deal for both parties and glad they got it done. Um, as a Raptors fan, I love to have OG, OG Ananobi around. And as you'll see, he will come up in another one of my awards uh, prediction section coming soon. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, talking some Orlando Magic here, and we're going to have a few Orlando Magic segments here. Let's start with Jonathan Isaac getting a four-year $80 million extension from the Orlando Magic. This one is uh, looks like no player options, just looks like straight four years, $80 million, uh, for Jonathan Isaac. Now, this is a surprising one. And it's not because of Jonathan Isaac's talent. This is a very talented defensive player, a guy whose offense was coming into his own. Uh, A lot of this is based on, uh, my questions at least, is based on the ACL injury that he's going to be rehabbing from all season this season. He's going to miss the entire season with a torn ACL. Now, that means 
when he comes back next season, he's going to start his first season on this new extension at $17.8 million. Again, I, do, I think Jonathan Isaac is a fantastic defensive player, one of the top defensive players in this league. Is he going to have that same type of juice when he comes back from that ACL? We've seen guys come back from ACLs a lot better uh, in recent memory than we have in the past. The ACL is no longer the uh, you know the, the boogeyman injury that it used to be. That still, I guess, is now the Achilles tears that really bring up you know, the, the fear in the eyes of, of GMs and players and everybody around the league. Uh, and ACLs used to fall under that category, but not so much anymore. But still cause for concern with Jonathan Isaac, who has proved to be a bit of an injury-prone player. Can he stay on the floor? Is he going to have that same uh, offensive and defensive juice? Is he going to be uh, a guy that can continue to improve? Or is it going to take him a year to get back and then another year to, you know, get mentally get over the injury? That sort of thing. So... We'll see what happens here. Um, do I think this is a good deal? It's it's really tough to say. It's really tough to say. I think had Jonathan Isaac been healthy, he might have even gotten more than this uh, on the market. He might have even been a four a four year ninety million dollar player, maybe with a player option or something on the end of that. But I think four years eighty for Jonathan Isaac, it's it's a make or break deal. It's a big it's a big deal because I think there's a just a chance he could be underpaid on this deal if he comes back uh, and plays like the, the 90th, 95th percentile of what he was before the injury. And I think this could be a tough contract to swallow over the next four years if he is playing at a sub-level uh, sub to what he was playing before and doesn't show any improvement. So it's, it's, uh, it's tough to say. I, I'm not going to say that this is a good or bad deal. I just need to see. I want to see what the first year looks like before I make any uh, real opinions on this contract here for Jonathan Isaac. But four years, $80 million for Jonathan Isaac going forward with the Orlando Magic. Okay, more Magic. Markel Fultz gets an extension. Three years, $50 million for Markel Fultz. And uh, that there's going to be a team option, from what I understand, on the final year of that deal. Uh, oh, so it looks like, four, is that four years, 50 million, or three years, 50 million? Hold on, let me let me confirm that real quick before I start uh, spewing the wrong information here. No, Woj is reporting three, Woj reported three years, 50 million for, uh, for Marco Fultz. And from what I understand, there is a team option on that final year. So, you know, for Fultz, Everything comes down to the jump shot with Marco Fultz. We know what the situation was with the uh, uh, with the shoulder and you know some and some of the uh, the ligament stuff he had going on over there, um, and he needs that that shot needs to come around for him to be really worth this deal. He really showed that explosion that he did at, at Washington that made him the number one pick. Uh, he did, he has shown some flashes of being uh, that number one pick from an offensive uh, and defensive standpoint. But again, it's the jump shot that really needs to come around uh, for him this year. And again, the the free throw shooting has improved. The mid-range shooting has improved uh, uh, significantly. But again, still not to the point where you're letting Markel Fultz come and take a bunch of mid-rangers and three-pointers off the dribble. And I think he needs to improve that for him to be worth this deal. So yeah, $13 million this year is not bad. But again, you've got $15 million in 21-22 16.6 in 22-23, and that's set an 18 million on the team option in 23-24. Uh, so again, I think Marco Fultz needs to show that uh, he can make you know 
mid-rangers, at least off the bounce consistently, uh, and threes off the bounce would be icing on the cake at this point in his career. But he needs more off-the-dribble juice for him to be worth that type of money, in my opinion, unless he's going to become some out-of-this-world passer, which I don't necessarily see at this point. So uh, Markel Fultz, three years, $50 million team option on that final year. Okay, moving on. Derek White of the San Antonio Spurs gets four years, $73 million uh, from the Spurs. Uh, Derek White coming off a toe injury here with, um, I think he had toe injury or toe surgery on one of his toes. I can't remember which one. Uh, but uh, Derek White showed quite a bit uh, in uh, the playoffs two years ago, specifically against the Denver Nuggets in the first round. He had uh, a couple massive games. And again, Derek White, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, in my opinion, I keep saying that about a lot of these guys, but I, but I promise you, just because some of these players have not made all defensive teams, you know, your your Ananobis, Jonathan Isaacs, and Derek Whites are right there in line for uh, your defensive for your next, um, you know, all defensive nods. Uh, for some of these guys. Derek White is in that group. He is one of the best guard defenders uh, in the NBA. He's got some uh, some juice uh, as an offensive player as well. And so I like this deal for Derek White. I think he's going to be worth this money. Um, and again, this is just a toe surgery, so it's not anything major, not anything structurally uh, wrong, I would say, with him. He's just coming off a, kind of a minor uh, metacarpal surgery, I think, in his toe. So I think it's what it's called in your toe. I don't know. I'm not a medical expert. But uh, point is, it's not anything major, and I think Derek White is going to be worth this money. So, again, uh, Derek White, four years, $73 million with the San Antonio Spurs. To my knowledge, no options on the end of that, but I could uh, I could be missing some information. We'll, we'll just stick with the four years, $73 million as the baseline for now. And finally, last extension here before we get to my awards predictions. Uh, Luke Kennard with the Los Angeles Clippers. Four years, $64 million. Now, $56 million of that is guaranteed, and $8 million of that uh, comes in uh, unspecified incentives for Luke Kennard. And so this was a player that they picked up uh, on draft night uh, in the trade uh, that sent uh, Landry Shamit uh, to Brooklyn, and then I think it was Sadiq Bey uh, and Rodney Magruder that went to Detroit. Uh, and Luke Kennard obviously went to the Clippers. So this deal for Kennard, I think, is a, b- a bit of an overpay. Uh, I think this is a year too soon. I don't think you needed to give him this extension right now. I don't think that he would have commanded uh, such a market that that uh, that you would have been a, a, you should where you look back and think, oh, I should have taken the risk of giving them the ex- ex- extension uh, for the Clippers. I mean, obviously, uh, Paul George. Kawhi Leonard are going to be your number one options. You still got Marcus Morris. They still got Lou Williams. Uh, I just don't see where Luke Kennard has this amazing year to where he couldn't. Uh, he could get more than this or this same contract uh, next year. I think you could have easily, especially with more teams with more space and stuff like that. I think you could have easily given him this money next year. I don't think teams would have been clamoring to get Luke Kennard. I don't. I don't see him having a year where he just is a massive breakout star uh, that is like, oh, damn, thank God we signed him to four-year 64 because he's going to get way more than that on the open market in the offseason of 2021. No, I don't think that that was the case here. I think that this was um, a year too early uh, for Luke Kennard. I don't think you need to give him this money right now. You easily could have given this contract to him in uh, uh, this summer. And so basically that's a year of risk on the part of uh, – 
on the part of the Clippers. If he gets injured, if he has a major injury, now you're stuck with this deal on your books going forward. And with that recent uh, Paul George uh, extension, uh, that 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 could hurt you a lot. So, you know, I don't think Luke Kennard is a bad player. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's uh, I think he's better player than Landry Shamit. And I can do a little bit more off the bounce than Landry Shamit in terms of uh, getting to his spots and uh, running a little pick and roll and whatnot. But I don't see where he gets so much more like where he's just so where he has so much potential in this Clipper system that he's worth this deal. We have to lock him up now because he's going to become this crazy commodity in the offseason of 2021. So in my opinion, I think it was a year too early on Kennard. I think you could have given him uh, a, a less of a deal and you could have given him less of a deal next offseason. That's that was that's my opinion here on Luke Kennard. Um uh, uh, for the Clippers here. So again, Luke Kennard, four years, $64 million, 56 million of that is guaranteed. 8 million comes in unspecified uh, incentives. Okay. So that was the extensions. Uh, now let's move on to my awards picks this year. Um, okay. So I'm going to do MVP coach of the year, defensive player of the year, six man of the year, most improved player, rookie of the year, and my NBA championship pick. So let's start with my MVP pick. My MVP pick this year is going to be Luka Doncic. Uh, I think the Mavs are going to be considerably better than they were last year. I think Luka's going to have more of a load now with Porzingis being out to start the season. Uh, he's got the narrative behind him uh, with the you know kind of the next in line to be an MVP. I think he's got that going for him. I think the the Mavs are also going to be a top offense. In the NBA, once again, and Luka's going to be driving that. I think that is good for him. And I think it's all about necessarily where do the Mavericks fall in the seedings. If they can get somewhere between 4 and 5 uh, in the West, I think that that is going to uh, augur a good case for Luka Doncic to be MVP. And I think, obviously, he's going to take another step. I mean, the, the, the guy is unbelievable. He can do it all offensively. He really is uh, put, knocking on the door of that best offensive player in the league um, type of room. Yeah, again, he's got the step back three, right? If he can hit that at a more consistent or a couple percentage better, that goes a long way. He's obviously an all-world passer at this point. He's a good finisher at the rim. He can get to the free throw line. He can take just about anybody off the dribble. Uh, I think Doncic right now is the is the premier offensive play, is a premier offensive player in the league and I think when we're talking about best uh three or four offensive players his name is on that list and so I think that uh the voters will have no problem picking him for MVP should the Mavericks finish with a respectable record so MVP I got Luka Doncic coach of the year I'm gonna go with Doc Rivers for coach of the year uh with the 76ers I think that the 76ers Basically, right now, they've got everything going against them, right? They have basically uh, Brett Brown uh, obviously coached his team last year uh, to what was, uh, you know, I guess a disappointing season. Um, I think I think that, that that's fair. They had a massive home road disparity uh, and whatnot. And so now I think with the new entrance of Doc Rivers, I think uh, especially with Daryl Morey, coming in to, you know, put the shooting around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the form of uh, Seth Curry and uh, Danny Green. I think that helps a lot. 
for this offense to kind of move at a more respectable rate. And then defensively, I think they're still one of the top teams in the league, even despite the loss of Josh Richardson. Obviously, Danny Green still a uh, an above-average defensive player, at least. So I think this team is going to uh, move into respectable offensive territory. I think that uh, the home road disparity last year, I think that's going to even out a little bit uh, for the Sixers. Uh, they're going to be a better offense. I think they're. Uh, I think they're gonna, their defense is going to be around the same, and I think they're going to be a top four seed this year, uh, maybe even higher. I think they can get into that three or two category, uh, to be honest. And if that's the case, I think we're going to look at Doc Rivers as a big reason as to why that's the case. So, I got Coach of the Year, uh, Doc Rivers, Philadelphia 76ers. Defensive Player of the Year, I got Anthony Davis. Uh, again, seems like a guy, a Defensive Player of the Year, very much a narrative award. I think I think Anthony Davis is next in line to get it. We've seen Draymond, we've seen Kawhi, we've seen Gobert. I think Anthony Davis right now is uh, bordering on that defensive best defensive player in the world conversation. Uh, he was certainly the best defensive player in the playoffs. The Lakers won the championship on the back of their defense. Uh, obviously, Anthony Davis being the anchor to that. And I think that continues this year. I think the Lakers are still going to have a fantastic defense. I think Anthony Davis is going to have a fantastic year. And uh, I think a lot of that is going to come defensively. So we know what he can do. He can he can switch pick and rolls. He can uh, he can play the drop. He's a great anticipatory help defender uh, at the rim. Uh, he he's a guy that can get steals. A guy that can get blocks, change shots uh, around the rim. Uh, and even he he's he falls into that Rudy Gobert category to me as well. Where when guys are on the floor, when he's on the floor, you change what you do when you go into the paint because you see him lurking around there. And so your offensive sets almost basically change because you know we can't get into the paint because Anthony Davis is going to be lurking there ready to swat our shot into the fifth row. And so you basically settle for a lot more mid-rangers when he's in the game. You settle for a lot more threes. And your offensive mindset changes when you have a big athletic uh, big man uh, like Davis, like Gobert, like uh, Joel Embiid to some extent, lurking there in the paint, ready to uh, block your shot. So I think that uh, Anthony Davis uh, augurs a lot of that, and I think he's going to be uh, a great candidate this year for Defensive Player of the Year, and he is my pick for that category. Sixth man of the year, I've got Danilo Gallinari. Um, Lloyd Pierce already said that Gallinari is going to come off the bench and they're going to start John Collins and Clint Capella in the front court. And I think that uh, basically means Gallinari is going to have all he, he can eat on that second unit uh, to basically just feast on second unit uh, bigs and, and fours and whoever decides to guard him. Uh, we saw Gallinari last year in the OKC. Uh, still prove he's an effective offensive player. Still a guy that can get his shot off the dribble to some extent. Still a guy that can get to the line. Um, a guy that can really, really hit threes at a high rate. Really hit mid-rangers out of, face up, out of the face-up game at a high rate. And get to the line and finish at the rim to some extent as well. Uh, and I think he's going to have a, a lot of chances to do that uh, with the Atlanta Hawks coming off the bench. And I think that there's a good chance he will close games for the Atlanta Hawks as well with him and, you know, insert center here in the front court, whether it be John Collins, whether it be Clint Capella, most likely he'll be uh, replacing Capella and then move John Collins to the five. Uh, I think that that will probably be the closing lineup there. 
uh, at least in the front court for the Atlanta Hawks, along with, you know, obviously Trey Young and uh, most likely uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And then insert your three here. Maybe it's going to be Cam Reddish, maybe DeAndre Hunter. We'll see how the we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I think Gallinari is going to be in that closing unit. He's going to have a lot of chance to put up points. Uh, and I think he's going to win six man of the year for the Atlanta Hawks uh, because of those reasons. Most improved player. I got OG and Anobi. Uh, there's a lot of candidates here for most improved player. I'm going to go with OG. I think he's in a prime opportunity uh, to show just how good he is defensively. I think he has, uh, I think he's going to have a chance to do a lot more offensively as well in terms of take guys off the dribble really do a lot more with the ball in his hands, a lot more catch-and-shoot opportunities. And I think if he can make the most of those, I think he's got a great chance to be a most improved player candidate by really, you know, upping his scoring average and getting into that uh, potential, that, you know, that fringe all-star category. I don't think OG is going to be an all-star this year by any means, but I think he's going to take another uh, leap into another, basically, uh, another tier of players uh, is where I think OG will take the leap into. So again, he's going to have more opportunities uh, this year with the Toronto Raptors. No, uh, no Gasol, no Ibaka. Somebody's going to have to eat some of those shots, and I think OG is in a prime position to do that. He's going to have a chance to close uh, with that small ball lineup, which is going to be Lowry, Van Vliet, Norm Powell, Pascal Siakam, and then OG at the five, uh, which means, again, he's going to have a lot opportunities to uh, prove the versatility defensively uh, to stretch the floor uh, as a five uh, which he's not typically a five obviously he's uh, he's a three as a, as a starter in their lineup but can play uh, because he can defend can play that position because he can defend basically five positions on the floor uh, which is you know always a good candidate for the elite defensive players in this league uh, and, I, and I really believe in that offensive jump for Ananobi this year. I really do. I think he's going, again, to have a lot more uh, three-point opportunities. I think I can see him shooting, you know, six or seven per game this year, uh, along with having uh, the ability to, uh, uh, you know, kind of throw it into the post to OG and let him work a little bit on smaller, smaller, not as strong guys. And I think he can take advantage of those opportunities. So I'm going to go with OG Ananobi for most improved player uh, for the Toronto Raptors. Rookie of the year, I'm going to have Cole Anthony for the Orlando Magic. Now, not a popular pick. Obviously, a lot of people will be picking Wiseman or Edwards or LaMelo Ball or Obi Toppin. Isaac Okoro looked good in preseason. Patrick Williams, perhaps. Uh, but I think that Cole Anthony specifically, uh, he looked good in preseason. Uh, from what I saw, I saw a few games uh, against uh, the Hornets there specifically. Um, obviously, not a great sample size uh, in terms of what uh, what he's going to be uh you know, playing against on a night-to-night basis, the Hornets are, you know, kind of a middle, you know, bottom-tier East team, I would say. Maybe, uh, you know, 12th, 11th, 10th, that category. But I liked what he could do uh, specifically with the ball in his hands. He showed uh, a nice propensity to get to floaters, uh, had a, a couple nice moves where he uh, stopped on a dime, went behind the back and dropped the defender, hit a mid-range shot. Uh, he's got uh, the ability to shoot from three. And, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of juice as a passer as well. In fact, I think that we could see a scenario where Cole Anthony actually closes games alongside Markel Fultz. So the closing lineup being uh, Fultz, Anthony, uh, either Fournier or Terrence Ross, and then uh, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic. I think that Fultz, or sorry, not Fultz, I think that Cole Anthony can really bump out either Fournier or Ross in that closing lineup for the Orlando Magic uh, this season. I really do believe that. I think he does have a lot of offensive game. Uh, I, uh, he's a he's an underrated passer. 
Uh, I think at this point, uh, to the to the general public, he had no spacing around him at UNC. He's going to have a lot more, you know, three point shooters in the form of you know Vucevic and you know Gordon Fournier, uh, Ross uh, Aminu. James Ennis, Chumo Kiki, uh, a lot of those guys I think uh, can hit threes at a respectable clip, more so than uh, the players he was playing with at UNC. And so I think that fosters for a good environment for uh, for Cole Anthony to go to work on the offensive end, uh, not only as a scorer but as a passer as well. And I think that he's going to have a lot of opportunities to run some pick and roll, to get his teammates involved, and I think he's going to shine uh, in those opportunities. So not a very popular pick, but I think Cole Anthony – for the Orlando Magic is going to win Rookie of the Year. That's just my opinion. And then my pick for, to who is going to win the title is I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it's their time. Um, obviously, Giannis resigning takes away a lot of the drama internally with the team. They did sacrifice some of their depth uh, for high-end talent. Uh, I understand that. Um, I, I think they've got a lot of guys who are questionable players in the playoffs right now, but I'm still going to go with Milwaukee to win the title. I think... You know, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez. Um, like those are your big four. And then after that is where it gets it gets tricky, right? Like I think Tory Craig could provide some good defensive minutes. How how much are you gonna get out of DJ Augustine? Is he a guy that can survive in uh, crucial playoff minutes? Same with Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, and you're gonna have Bobby Portis and DJ Wilson and Pat Connaughton. So, you know. It sounds like their depth is okay, but when are how many minutes are you actually trusting from guys like Connaughton, Wilson, Portis, DiVincenzo, Augustine, and Forbes? Uh, and I think Torrey Craig is actually going to be a big part of their rotation. I really think that he uh, defensively is going to uh, is going to hold up just fine, uh, if not more than fine. And I think he's going to be able to make threes at a, a good enough clip to stay on the floor. It's those other guys that really worry. Uh, me so that's that's what I would that's what I would be worried about if I was the Milwaukee Bucks but I think their high-end talent is good enough high-end talent is what wins you games uh, in the playoffs it's not necessarily the best for the regular season especially you know during COVID uh, and you know depth being more important important than ever during the regular season I think once the playoffs comes I think the, the Milwaukee's high-end talent should they still healthy is going to get be enough for them uh, to get through the east and then ultimately uh, to an NBA title so I'm going to pick the Milwaukee Bucks to win the NBA championship. All right, people, basketball is back. We got games tonight. Uh, it, it feels like it feels like a long layoff, and at the same time, it feels like you know the finals between the Heat and the Lakers just ended yesterday. So uh, I love this you know paradox feeling that we got going on. But I'm so excited for basketball to be back. So excited to watch you know guys come back from injuries like. Durant and John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. It's great to see those guys back and guys on new teams like Westbrook uh, in Washington, uh, Chris Paul uh, in Phoenix and Gordon Hayward in Charlotte and all these uh, players, you know, changing teams. And I, th I think it's just going to be uh, a fantastic year all the way around. And uh, I'm hoping for a great healthy season with, uh, you know, minimal asterisks, we'll put it, which means everybody's healthy. Nobody has COVID. Uh, obviously, we hope for uh, as little of that as possible, and uh, hopefully we can get that uh, to to the biggest extent. So it's going to be a great season. We're going to have podcasts throughout the season, no doubt. Uh, I'm still going to be writing Raptor stuff for Tip of the Tower as the season goes on. And there's going to be a lot of NBA content coming your way, basketball fans. So stay tuned to the podcast, and uh, we'll be uh, talking to you as the season goes on. Uh, happy 2020-2021 season, everyone. Should be a good one. Till next time.